Welcome to Endometriosis Summit, the podcast. If you have endometriosis, treat endometriosis, or love and support someone with endometriosis, then this is the podcast for you. In season two, we explore life surrounding endometriosis, be it your gut or connective tissue or trauma or relationships. This is the podcast that embraces all the things of endometriosis. Please join our hosts, our founders, Dr. Sally Sorrell, a pelvic physical therapist and person with endometriosis, and Dr. Andrea Vidali, an endometriosis excision specialist, reproductive immunologist, and founder of Predmune. Please welcome our very special guest today, Brandon Johnson. Brandon is the owner of Infertility Isn't Inferior, a male and couples-focused infertility therapy practice. Brandon and his wife endured a difficult infertility journey, and as a licensed therapist, Brandon understood he needed to seek therapy for himself, but found out there was a severe lack of male therapist specializing in infertility. Brandon wanted to stop perpetuating the stigmas of mental health, so he redirected his own therapeutic practice towards guiding men and couples through life's most complex and difficult matters. Please welcome Brandon Johnson. It is great to see you today. How are you? I'm doing great, Sally. How about you? I am doing great. I am excited for today's podcast in that we're going to discuss relationships, partners, and endometriosis. Because I believe that when somebody has endometriosis, everyone around them has endometriosis. What about you, Brandon? What are your beliefs about that? I believe the same thing, just because um, the disease itself is so debilitating. And everyone around that person has to get to know how the disease is, how it's affecting the person, and thus how to best support that person. And, and vice versa, that person also needs to learn how to support the people around them because they just might not understand anything about it. Yeah, so I wonder, you know, it's such a unique niche to focus on male infertility. And even though endometriosis is usually about couples infertility, can you explain how you came to your focus? Yes. Um, after I went through my own journey, and I'll go into small detail, the real stories on YouTube, but um, after going through my own journey and being depressed and not wanting to live and not losing my faith and feeling less than a man. I was like, how many other men are going through this silent war? Because no one's willing to talk about it. And at the time I was doing therapy anyway. And so I decided to change the focus and add male infertility because there were no therapists specializing in male infertility that I can find. And even looking outside the state that I lived in, it was just no one. And I said, this is a lonely path. How do we get help? How do we talk about this? Because the depression state and the pain and loneliness of it became all too severe 
And there are many days you just don't feel like getting out the bed or going to work or being present and seeing pregnant women or people starting a family just made you angry, especially if they said they weren't trying at the moment. And no, no person should go through this alone. No person should go through um, it alone is, is a perfect way of saying it. And I would say that concept of a silent war is very much what daily life is for the person with endometriosis. And a silent war could be fighting your disease, but it also could be going out for a cup of coffee and seeing the mother with her stroller complaining about her children or the pregnant woman or everybody else on a Saturday night going and having fun while you have to stay home on the couch and sort of nurse your wounds, so to speak. So, you know, I wonder, you know, we talk about everyone around the person having endometriosis. What are some ways a partner can support the person with endometriosis? That partner really just has has to be really understanding, um, really start to learn more about the disease itself so that they actually know how, they actually know the symptoms of endometriosis and how this person can feel, what will cause the flare-ups, does flare-ups happen overnight? And once the person becomes more knowledgeable, then they know how to support them through the pain or understand when they just don't have the physical capacity to move forward anymore or to do certain things, or they may need time away from other people because they physically are in pain or can't move anywhere. So, oh no, go ahead, Sammy. I'm just curious what, um, you know, endometriosis always has that painful sex component, not always, but oftentimes has that. What, from the partner's perspective, because a partner never wants to hurt their partner, but how do you begin to tackle painful sex in the relationship? Slowly. Um, I wouldn't rush or even force traditional sex. I would just be more intimate with each other, um, kissing, touching, um, possibly, dare I say, oral, and just... Um, really take those steps to let the person know that you're there with them. But it doesn't always have has to be so traditional, but more so the intimacy behind it. Right. I think, you know, especially for people um, with the infertility component of endometriosis, everybody's always very goal focused, but sex is supposed to be enjoyable. The goal should be enjoyment, right, Brandon? 100%. And with infertility, there's also that moment in which you're, that then during the denial stage when you're trying to schedule sex and you're constantly um, having sex, which takes the joy out of sex because you're steady trying to meet the egg before you even know there's an issue. So um, just really take the time to be intimate and patient with each other. And right. I always say, try to have pleasure snacks with each other, right? Exactly. Yeah, like and ple- pleasure snacks could be a hug, 
But pleasure sacks could also be touching in ways that feel good, whether that's using toys, using um, other things than penetration, pleasure snacks, you know, pleasure snacks could be watching a movie and cuddling too. I don't want you to think the endometriosis summit's only dirty things. (laughs) Yeah. Also, don't forget the power of massage. Massage. You know, there's a lot of research on that you know, touching itself decreases pain. Like if you look at the, the brain and when you're really in a flare, you are like, get away from me. I don't care. But when Brandon talks about, don't forget, um, massage, it has, it really, you release that oxytocin and you connect to your partner, even if it's not a hubba hubba type of massage. Yes. Yeah. And it also increases blood flow and it's just overall great for the body. It also releases trauma. Yeah. Well, we're going to have a great podcast on trauma with Dr. Peter Prune. So you'll have to tune into that one. I wonder, Brandon, what is it like for the partner that seems to be the outsider to the disease? And how does that affect the partner relationship? At first, if the partner doesn't know anything about endometriosis, it can be isolating or feel like rejection. And because it'll feel like rejection, there may be some anger and and negative feelings towards the partner with endometriosis. However, if that person takes the time to learn more about endometriosis and listen to their partner and what they're going through, then they're able to actually understand and be more supportive. The more supportive they can be, the more that they can um, help their partner. However, I do wanna say that the person with endometriosis has to help them as well and help them to understand, help them to know how they're feeling. What's a bad flare-up? What's a mild flare-up? that certain foods cause the, cause the flare-up? Do you not know what happened? Are you overstressed? And all of these symptoms that we know can cause inflammation, which is that flare-up that causes the pain and you may not want to move or be touched or maybe a little attitudinal because pain causes attitudes or anger and depression. So really taking the time to help the partner understand their feelings as well is also important. We know that in endometriosis, it often takes eight to 10 years to be diagnosed um, and then probably even longer to get the best um, quality of treatment. So I wonder, you know, there are certain cultures where it's not okay to question the doctor. And there are certain times where it's not okay to question your partner. And the partner also sees the doctor tell you that there's nothing wrong with you and it's all in your head. And what do we do about um, the partner who has to be convinced that what they read, that what the person who has endometriosis reads on the internet is actually correct because it's not always correct. But in endometriosis, there is some really good crowdsourced information. Yes. It's a hard one. It is um, because of the cultural aspect of people not wanting to ask questions. 
But I believe that if we don't ask our doctors questions, we never get the answer that we truly need. And thus it can be written off and not really observed, which forces people to look to, towards the internet. And then a doctor says, why do you look towards the internet? And you say, because these are the symptoms that I'm experiencing and you didn't answer my question. So can you help me? So there's this catch 22 with the internet and the medical field where doctors don't like the internet because patients are self-diagnosing, but they don't take the time necessary to answer the questions. I would say really, and regardless of cultural culture, learn to ask doctors questions as their people also. And mistakes happen, um, feelings happen, diseases sometimes can appear one way and similar to something else. And diagnosing is difficult. Um, even as a therapist, when I have to diagnose, it's like, is it anxiety or depression or depression causing anxiety? So there's many things to go through. So really talk and learn to talk and open up to your doctor. Um, yeah, yeah, I definitely, in endometriosis, it can be really hard because our sort of informal research shows that people see at least 14 doctors before they're heard. I know, very common. So the number one thing, my patients that come to my practice with husbands or partners with them, the number one thing the partner said is, she went to all these doctors for so long and they felt really, really bad. And they kept telling them symptoms and the doctor kept saying there's nothing wrong or it's depression or it's anxiety. And then the person would say, I have depression and anxiety because all this is going on. And the partner, once they're diagnosed with endometriosis and once they access excision surgery and really good care has such guilt for not standing behind their partner. What do we have to say about letting go of that guilt and navigating um, that life? I say forgive yourself. Learn to forgive. And for both people have to, have to forgive each other. Because when they come to someone, especially a doctor that's not used to dealing with um, endometriosis, so someone who's not a specialist, and they're in the same field, really forgive each other. It's, it's hard when you believe that the doctor is right. And yet years later and many doctor's appointments later, you find out that this has happened. Um, that or really advocate up front and use the internet in this case to find like an endometriosis summit and support groups so that you can actually talk about it and find someone who specializes in it and a doctor that will listen. Um, there are many doctor recommendations that are given through the internet, even if they're out of state from a person. People are willing to travel to stop pain. Yeah. I wonder when endometriosis sort of has that you against the world sense to it, or you and your partner against the world, or you and your family against the world. And sometimes that partner is mom. And sometimes that partner is dad. And sometimes it's a sister because, you know, lots of family members serve as partners for lots of people. And I wonder how can each partner in the relationship with endometriosis or so to speak, 
create a safe space for each other? Musali, I think I just talked about this one. Um, when other people are ashamed of your diagnosis, the partners really have to create a create boundaries, create boundaries of what you're going to tell people, how you're going to tell people, and understand those boundaries as the safety net for their own marriage or their own relationship. And who gets to know what? Because parents aren't going to understand, especially if endometriosis hasn't happened in a family and they're unfamiliar with it. And they're going to give a person a hard time, especially if like you're on vacation or somewhere public and the person is tired or in pain and can't go anymore. So really creating those boundaries and that safety net for each other will um, help the couples to keep that space and let them know when they just can't be around family or um, when things aren't safe to tell or if they need to leave an event early and, and then just doing so and not really worrying how the family feels. Yeah, I think the concept of boundaries for the person with endometriosis is its own podcast, but I think it's really, really important because you've likely been told, we don't know why you're infertile or we don't know why you have pain. Do you really have pain for so many years that I think the person with endometriosis is really crummy at setting boundaries because they doubt themselves. How do you encourage people? Do you have tips for how to set a boundary and how to stick to it? Yes, you are the master of yourself. And essentially everyone in the medical field is just a guide. You know, that's how I even approach my patients. You're the expert on your life. I'm just your guide here to help you through. And so if people start understanding, if we understand that we're the expert on our lives and we know how we're feeling and the pain that we're experiencing and that it's not just in our mind or psychosomatic, then we actually will start to advocate more aggressively for ourselves and our needs and what's going on at that moment. So some tips on how to deal with it is really take the time to analyze your feelings, recognize your own body and emotions, and don't let anybody fool you away from it. There's no joy and pain. You know when you're hurt. If you're hurting, let the doctor know and let them know how it feels. Um, let your spouse and everyone else around you know don't allow anyone to talk you out of your pain. And when creating boundaries, the biggest thing is about creating boundaries is we feel guilty for creating them. Don't feel guilty. Just go for it. I cannot walk in the park today. I am in that much pain. I am barely going to the bathroom. So no, I'm not going to go with you to the park or I can't join this event. Or when we scheduled it, I thought it was okay, but now it's not. And don't be afraid or don't feel guilty for that. That's the biggest reason. Just overcome the guilt within self and recognize your own feelings. And don't do this to please others. Because if we please others, then we're going to hurt ourselves. 
Yeah, that is so very true. I think that I can't, there are days you can walk in the park and there are days that you can't walk in the park. What about the partner with endometriosis who constantly feels like they have to put themselves at risk or do things because of the partner without endometriosis? Like they have to go camping because they feel like they deny their partner the pleasures in life that they can't have, or they have to go to that um, movie that, well, when we used to go to movies, they have to go out that night because they have to do something nice for their partner. What do you have about, or, or they feel guilty that they're not being the wife or the partner that they should be. What, what advice do we have for that person? Be honest. Just really be honest with your partner. Because if you can't make it, you can't make it. And forcing it is only gonna make the night more miserable. And create an argument or some sort of definitely angry situation. Why put yourself through it? Why go through it when you can just say it up front? There will be a better day when you do feel like jumping up and being a superwoman. And you can go to the movies, now limited. Um, but you can go camping, you can go um, out for dinner or that date night, or let them know that your body can't handle anything stressful tonight. So no extreme um, dates, no going rock climbing or anything like that. Like if we go on a date, it needs to be something more relaxing where we can lay down and have a picnic or um, something that doesn't require a lot of effort. Right. We have to be sort of soft with each other. That means soft with each other and soft on yourselves. Yeah. You know, how can partners create a good communication channel so that each understands when it's a good day? And sometimes there aren't very many of those good days. And, and when it's a bad day, because the person with endometriosis, I'm going to admit, they don't look sick. And so you could be extremely sick and even have a bowel obstruction, not look sick at all. So what are good ways to um, create a good communication channel between partners? Honesty, just really be honest with each other. And being honest with each other will help you to um, let the other partner know how you feel that day. And I'm also a fan of old school or maybe new school, you know, send a text like, hey, I know you're at work. I feel horrible. Um, dinner's on you. Or don't be afraid to communicate. Don't feel guilty because it's the, still the guilt that will drive someone with endometriosis to try to force themselves to do more than they can or more than they're able to at that moment. But being honest in communication and communicating with each other um, via paper, vocal, or um, even just texting is the best way. And the yeah. partnership will be understanding. Yeah, I think like, it, it always goes back into that circle of the doctor keeps saying there's nothing wrong with you. And you keep sending a text to your partner that says, 
hey, I feel really bad. Dinner's on you. And then the partner's like, come on, I took you to like 12 doctors. They all said nothing's wrong. And, and it, it becomes really, really hard. And, and so the more open that communication channel is, you know, you have to start to believe your partner and not the doctor, right, Brandon? Yes, and you just sparked a thought, the thought of trust. You have to trust your partner that they're saying this, they're, they're being honest, you know, because wants to be, who wants to be in a bed, who wants to be, who will fake pain? No one's going to really do that because you want to go about your life. And why would somebody not want to go about their life in a normal way? Right. I no, that. Let's say that again. No one's going to fake pain. No one's certainly going to fake infertility because it's one of the most painful things you could go through when no one fakes pain. No one's going to fake a stomach ache to get out of going to dinner with their in-laws, even though they want to. They're just not going to do that. No one's going to fake not being able to go to the bathroom and no one's going to fake peeing 19 times a day. So I think it's important for partners to realize the one partner isn't faking and the other partner needs to stand by them and believe them. And what I like about what you do is sometimes you need that third party to be not the go between, but to be the safe space. When should, uh, a partnership turn to um, having counseling or therapy? I know you're going to say all the time, the way I say everyone needs pelvic PT, but when should a, a team um, turn to you or someone else? When they, before they start to um, become angry with each other and bitterness sets in, because there's this sweet spot in which you've been to one doctor too many and you become angry because now medical bills are adding up and insurance doesn't cover this doctor and all these other problems that exist. Find that sweet spot and see someone before the anger comes into play and begin to talk about it and have someone else mediate. So I would love to say as soon as you find out and we can help you do it, but no, find out after you try for a little while and the results aren't coming away, coming back the way you think it is and the problem continues to exist. You're starting not to trust each other. You're starting not to interact with each other because of endometriosis and it's causing the separation. Um, if that separation goes too far, then we might be too far from recovering. It takes a lot more effort to get you back. But um, when someone starts to feel doubt, that's the moment to reach out for counseling. Yeah, doubt and anger. I think we feel that every day in the pelvic pain, endometriosis, and infertility journey. Yeah. What are um, some tools to communicate on good days and not just winky winky? And what are some tools to communicate on bad days? We talked about the texting, but what works for, and I hate the terms good and bad, but what works on the days where somebody might be feeling better and what works on the days when somebody might not be feeling better? When Let's start with bad. Um, when you're feeling bad, it, you might just really 
be really limited. And so you're moving a little bit slower. Um, one partner should be able to read body language of what's normal, what's not normal. So if that person's moving slower or a um, little cranky, not really wanting to do anything, then that's a bad way. So those are our nonverbal cues. And before you even ask the partner how they're doing, just really acknowledge their feeling and probably go up to them and say, hey, I see that you're moving a little bit slow. Are you feeling well? Are you okay? How bad is the pain? Really take the forefront because we all know when someone's not normal, which brings us to the good thing, good days. They're really easy to communicate. You probably jumped out of bed, felt like you can work out and say, hey, let's go out and get coffee for breakfast before we go to work to part ways. And the good days are really, really simple to read and say, hey, I feel great today. Let's go out for a walk. Let's... So communication and verbal communication will be more open on your good days. Yeah, excellent. So as we um, wrap up, I wonder, you know, how do you help people come to terms with the, the some days and the when I grow ups look very, very different when a couple is enduring endometriosis and also infertility? Hmm. I really help them by going through the grief and loss of it. When it comes to infertility and endometriosis, you're losing something. So walking the client through the grief and loss process of it all really starts to create this coping and healing. And once we're able to begin this inner heal or this inner acceptance, they're able to handle it better and thus begin to live life on the terms in which they can. So um, in both cases, it's not going to be perfect and things will be more difficult than normal. But if you accept it, you're able to actually adjust around it and adapt to life better versus if you don't accept it. And all of a sudden, it's um, a little more depressing and you stay depressed. And so that's the way I help Sally. Yeah, I think when you talk about grief, that is in its, that is the perfect word for in many ways, what life with endometriosis feels like and what life with infertility feels like. And having been through a family death and knowing what grief is that way, it is really not so different from what the disease feels like because it drops a bomb on your life. And so processing grief becomes really important. I don't think anybody should go that alone. Do you feel that people should try to process the grief on their own? God, no. Um, I don't, Sally, I'm, you're gonna make me go on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to I the know. podcast. The podcast is a tangent. <laughs> I don't think people should do anything alone, but we live in a world that says we can do everything alone, and it's a lie. We need each other, and we need each other for support, growth, maturity, help, and to just understand. 
the more we try to do things alone, the more painful and the more difficult we make it for each other and ourselves. If we continue to try to do things alone and not realize we need each other, we're just gonna continue to suffer. We are stronger together, we're greater together. And if you don't have anyone to truly support you during that grief process, how do you talk it out? How do you get through things? How do you get through certain thoughts? How do you express certain memories? It is, it's just not, yeah, we can't do it alone. We shouldn't even try. I wish society would stop having this expectation that we should do it alone, right, Brandon? Exactly. You don't do anything in life alone. And work is the perfect example. I mean, we work in teams, but we can handle life problems alone. It, it just doesn't make sense, the correlation. Right. That's why we want your partnership to be as strong as it can with endometriosis so that you can go through it together. Um, and of course, me being single, I go through everything alone, but I have support from where I need it. I wonder, Brandon, how can people reach you? Because everybody needs to be able to find you. They can reach me on Instagram, which is brandon.therapist, or directly on my website at infertilityisninferior.com. And what's your fabulous YouTube channel? Can you tell everybody your channel? It is brandon.therapist. That's so there's awesome. There's yeah. also a link to it in, in Instagram. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. So as we close out this podcast for today, what is sort of your take home message for how partners can support each other during their journey with infertility and the journey of having the disease of endometriosis itself? Be kind to each other. Um, both diseases are stressful and they take a lot on both they take um their toll on both people so the stress is there and every each person is dealing with it in a different way be kind and talk it out do not just sit back and assume someone understands because they don't and they're also processing it in a different way but if you're kind to each other you'll avoid blaming each other you are so very correct. Even though the pain of endometriosis makes most people a nasty uh, B word. So yeah. I want everybody to remember what Brandon says, be kind to each other. Thank you very much for joining us today. And we hope to have more to do with Brandon soon. Yes, thank you for having me, Sally. It's been great as always. Like what you hear? You have two options. One, hit the subscribe button and never miss out on an episode. Two, become a supporter of the Endometriosis Summit. Your small donations go a long way for ensuring open and honest discourse about endometriosis. Link to support on our anchor profile.